radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 61, recorded on Friday, June 3rd from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we discuss the question, should billionaires exist? But first, the headlines. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. So, Joe, it's been one week since our last episode. It has. And we have a mass shooting to talk about again. Man, I <laughs> I, I mean, okay, I laugh, but I laugh like in despair because this is ridiculous. So if you those who don't know, this was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. A gunman killed four people at the St. Francis Health System before killing himself. Two doctors, Preston Phillips, who treated the gunman, and Stephanie Hewson were killed as was Amanda Glenn, an employee, and William Love, a patient, according to the Associated Press. So the timeline of events and kind of the motive behind this is the shooter had gone to the hospital for back surgery on May 19th under Phillips's care and was released from the hospital on May 24th. Afterward, he called multiple times complaining about pain and seeking additional treatment. On Tuesday, Dr. Phillips saw him for more treatment. The gunman then called Phillips's office again on Wednesday, just two days ago, seeking additional care and complaining about pain in his back. And later that day at 2 p.m., hours before the shooting, the gunman purchased an AR-15 style rifle, the mascot of mass shootings in the U.S., from a local gun shop. The shooter also purchased a semi-automatic handgun on May 29th from a pawn shop. So I want to get this straight. So the guy bought an AR-15 style rifle the day he committed the shooting with said rifle. Correct. Just a few hours before uh, then using it. So it's kind of like a cash and carry, don't put it in a bag, I'll wear it out kind of situation. And the police actually recovered a letter that he had on his body that showed that he intended to kill Dr. Phillips and anyone who got in his way. So that's kind of the extent of the motive from what I know, though. Was there anything else that was uncovered? Not yet. Uh, it's only been a couple of days, but back pain and, you know, say, OK, you have back surgery. Things are worse. And the thing is, like, he was just discharged a week ago. Sure. So, I mean, I've never really struggled with back pain in my life, but I certainly know quite a few people who have. It's going to take some time. So something wasn't quite right with this guy where I, I feel feel like he immediately wanted this to be better but i don't know i'm kind of maybe reading too much into it but he immediately kept pushing and pushing and pushing for something right and wasn't getting what he wanted from this doctor so then his solution was well i'm going to kill him kill anybody else who's around and then kill myself that'll solve everything apparently well, and the one thing that, again, I just have to keep pressing is the guy bought the gun the same day he did the shooting. So, I mean, now you have it on here that. Oklahoma yeah, I wrote down some of the Oklahoma gun laws. Yes. Yeah, I didn't I know think this. It just says yeehaw, and that's <laughs> it. I didn't know this, but I would have totally guessed like this was the case because of, you know, Oklahoma. Duh. So, but according to at least what you have, they have no waiting period for firearms. They Nothing. do not have any waiting period. They do not require a license to own or possess a firearm. Oh, my God. And anyone over the age of 21 can open or concealed carry a firearm without a license. So where were all the good guys with guns then? Uh, they were all waiting at the gun store behind uh, behind the shooter. 
they're, they're all over in Texas at the NRA convention. <laughs> yeah, and the if you watch any of the coverage, they are so fast to point out that police immediately rushed into the building. <laughs> like it didn't matter. He'd we, already shot himself. In Texas, <laughs> we ran in right away and <laughs> did absolutely nothing because it was already over with right. at that point. Because that's such a reactive way, it's not going to fix anything. No, well, and I think that's something to discuss as well. Is yes, like with the Uvalde shooting, obviously they should have rushed in faster with that, but even then, we already know the damage or the, the damage that they were going to be able to prevent was minimal, right? Because the damage was done way before the time they even got there. If it was 10 instead of 20, would that have made a huge huge difference right exactly i mean and even then i would even argue that probably would have been closer like they may have saved one or two lives which again is still incredible like i'd be very happy they they could do that but even then you cannot rely on a reactive system with this it has to be proactive at the end of the day but again we continue to do nothing about this there's been more talks about assault weapons bans i do believe joe biden did a whole press conference about how he wants stricter gun laws nancy pelosi did say that she's going to reintroduce an assault weapons ban in the house but we had no, that's not going to do a damn We thing. talked about it last week. Yeah. So w- what's this going to do? Nothing. And in fact, unfortunately, I think all of the talk over the police response, all that does is deflect away from the gun control issue. Unfortunately, yeah, it does. And I think what makes me even angrier, and it kind of goes hand in hand because we're in the same damn state. Also, what happened was Oklahoma banned trans kids from using the right bathrooms at school, according to LGBTQ Nation. So just a week earlier, right? It was on the 27th. Literally. Yeah. So what drives me insane is we have this whole debate again, because again, we cannot have a mass shooting without the debate period afterwards. We have this whole debate where you have Republicans and conservatives constantly say we need to look at mental health. This is not a guns issue. This is a mental health issue over and over and over again. We have to make sure that our kids are taken care of in schools and that, you know, they're in safe and secure environments, all that stuff. Did Ted Cruz count the number of doors on that hospital? I do have to question. (laughs) Why don't we put veterans outside that hospital? and then we'll, we'll some, be safe. Yeah, some retired police officers yeah. can work the desk at the hospital. But seriously, though, they immediately... Now, granted, like you said, this was before the Oklahoma shooting. I believe this vote was after the Uvalde shooting. Is that correct? It was last Friday. Yeah, okay. So immediately, they went to bullying children right after we had this huge discussion about how if you don't have mental health services in your schools, stuff like this will continue to freaking happen. But for them, it doesn't matter. It, they don't care about mental health. They don't care care about actually doing something for anybody at the end of the day all they want is their guns and power there's nothing else that they want they want to be able to use their guns intimidate other people and just shove whatever crazy ideology they have to unsuspecting minority groups of people and this i have a quote from this bill the bathroom bill passed the state senate in a 38 to 7 vote it threatens funding for school districts if they don't comply and allows parents to sue school districts if they believe that their child had to share a bathroom with a transgender classmate if they believe so we're gonna have crazy oklahoma parents screaming down and suing schools because they think that whatever whatever you know child that their friends are with is supposed to be a girl when they're actually not a girl or a boy in those parents eyes literally no questioning how their child would know anything about the genitals of their classmates this is insane also the article goes on about how even though other transgender bathroom bills were always insane this bill because of 
of that rule makes it crazier than anything else that's also been put forward by Republicans in this country as of yet. So as of right now, Oklahoma is setting the standard for bullying transgender youth. No regulation on guns, regulation on children's bathroom preferences. It's insane. Screw Oklahoma. Be better. Let's bring it back home. So this is a little bit of a recap story, but we want to talk a little bit about the Wisconsin Republican primary for governor. It really is a clown car dumpster fire. It really is. For those of you who don't know, the GOP or the Wisconsin GOP recently had their state convention. Now, unlike the Democrats here in the state, the GOP actually full on endorses a candidate in statewide races if they gain enough support at their statewide convention. We already talked about how Rebecca Clayfitch was the clear front runner. We did a whole episode on her, which I highly recommend you take a listen to and look that up. She didn't win the endorsement. In fact, the GOP didn't endorse anybody because no one could get over 50% of the support. So as of right now, there are plenty of people running, but there comes down to four different people who are running for Republican governor as we speak. Rebecca Clayfish, which we talked about already. Former lieutenant governor under Scott Walker. Thank you. Made the Foxconn deal like the cornerstone of her political career. We all know how well that turned out. Right. State Representative Tim Ranthoon, who you may be aware of as the full-on Stop the Steal candidate, was actually exposed by Rolling Stone to be endorsed by the MyPillow guy and then went on to do nothing but talk about Stop the Steal and decertifying the 2020 election in Wisconsin. Solid platform. Solid platform. Actually, there's a really funny quote from the article that we have on here, which basically says that his entire platform is based on decertifying the 2020 election in Wisconsin, dot, 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 which is impossible. <laughs> So, and I remember so many conservatives and Republicans criticizing Democrats for not letting the 2016 election go. Right. And basically the only thing that was done there was, hey, Russia was definitely trying to influence our election. Look at all this evidence. Look at all these people who are indicted and went to jail for colluding with Russian operatives to influence the election. And they call that a hoax. Well, all we heard from conservatives was cry more libs. Cry more because if we lost the 2016 election, we would not be acting in any way the way you guys are right now. We would not be protesting in the streets. We would not be causing chaos. We would not be doing things like saying hashtag not my president. Yet here we are two years after the 2020 election and the only way to get on a ballot as a Republican is if you basically say that you're going to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. And that's kind of the crazy thing about this is that Rebecca Clayfish of these four people and we'll get to the other two in a second she's the moderate man (laughs) which is she's the moderate she's the moderate establishment republican and she went hard on crazy things like critical race theory and election integrity and all that stuff most of our listeners are in wisconsin i'm sure you've seen the ads right yet somehow she is the moderate she's the the middle of the road the classical republican that's how far we've come in just a few years next one up we have former senate candidate Kevin Nicholson, who had nothing to do once Ron Johnson decided to run for re-election. So I guess he might as well run for governor. And his whole claim was that the first two people we mentioned were idiots. So he's going to do it. Literally, I'm not I'm not actually kidding. In his like actual opening address or his launch speech, he talked about how stupid Rebecca Clayfish was and how much he hates her. Talked about how crazy of a conspiracy theorist Tim Ranthune is. And then literally talked about the exact same things that both of them are talking about. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. He's also not a good candidate. It, but he's not wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then we have our wild card. <laughs> the extra crazy of the crazy. Punk. The guy we're hearing tons of ads for right now is I'm not sure about you, Jason, but at least I am. I have seen one or two. Oh my God. And we need to talk about one of his ads I saw today. Tim Michaels. The Trump endorsed candidate. The construction guy. He's a former U.S. Senate candidate from way back in the day of 2004. A construction business owner, former army veteran, and all-around absolute crazy person. Now, Grant... A sense a common theme. Right. Grant, it's kind of hard to differentiate yourself from crazy with the rest of this flock, but he's been pouring money in left and right, talking literally about very racist things. I'm not sure if you saw this, Jason, but actually in the article that we'll have in the show notes here, they link to one of his ads about how he very proudly was going to build the wall to stop illegals from coming in. Those were his words. To Wisconsin? Yes. Um, All the Canadians at the northern border. Right, exactly. (laughs) And literally, he talks about how they don't do anything for us. It's They're all terrible. And then saying in his ad, this is a political ad that he wrote. Having secure borders and making sure illegals are held accountable are not racist things. In his own ad. Right. It's like, I know it's racist. So I've got to say that it's not racist. It's so crazy. So that you can't say it's racist. So and like Jason said, Tim Michaels, who kind of just appeared onto the scene, took the mantle away from both Ramthun and Clayfish and got President Trump's endorsement of all people. All I know is whoever loses this primary needs to run as a third party candidate. We at least two of the three make the establishment pay (laughs) America first party Trump party. Come on, let's do it. Well, then let me ask you this, Jason. Do you think Trump made the right choice for his endorsement? Not as in like, who's the craziest? I'm happy with it. Sure. But do you think he picked the winner? No. You, th- you still think it's going to be I still Clayfish. think it's going to be Rebecca Clayfish. You drive around. I live in a very red part of the state. You see Rebecca for governor signs. I've never seen a sign for any of the other GOP candidates. I actually have. I- I've seen Tim Michaels, and I've seen Kevin Nicholson. I have not seen a Ramthune sign yet. I definitely started seeing more Tim Michaels around. Mm-hmm. So he's beginning. And Certainly I- having Trump back him boost it up, which is that that's great. I want there to be this lot log jam and everybody to be unhappy with who the eventual candidate is well and i think because there was so much coverage about how were trump's candidates doing in pennsylvania and georgia and things like that and even ohio and we were kind of talking about how he was just kind of strategically picking his candidates based on who they thought was going to win and he was just kind of padding his own record i think that's a very like tim michaels is a very gutsy pick and weird enough wisconsin is going to be another way of showing does trump actually actually matter in the GOP because Wisconsin Republicans are crazy, but they also don't care about anything. So they may just go with the person they know. So I'm not sure. I just want 75% of Wisconsin Republicans to be so disappointed in whoever not ends up being the GOP governor pick that they stay home. That's all I want. So thank you, Donald Trump. Let's make this happen together. <laughs> Let's stay on the topic of Donald Trump. You okay with that? If it's as heartwarming as the last one, sure. It will be. With the great found success of Truth Social, Trump's mega media dynasty, replacing Twitter and Facebook as we speak. And also only on Apple products. <laughs> so one of our two hosts here can actually get the app. I do not use Apple products. Way to be a corporate sellout, Joe. I'm the winner. 
His best friend, Tim Apple, gave him that. <laughs> so in the great success, not, of his brand new social media that is doing so extremely well. It's actually not even a social media account. It's actually just a website right now, and it's not even fully functional. It's been hacked multiple times. Trump decided to launch a brand new service, which is a streaming service to compete with Netflix, Disney Plus, and all the others to promote such non-woke content and shows that embrace the Second Amendment. Are they going to, like... Top 10 best school shootings in the United States. <laughs> Let's count them down. It's like last week tonight, but it's literally just a countdown. <laughs> Coming in at number one, Sandy Hook Elementary. Oh, oh my God. So their new venture, TMTG Plus. Rolls right off the top. <laughs> As a quote from their statement, we'll express shows and emphasize shows that will battle cancel culture and cancel cancel culture. Particularly, but then isn't it cancel culture if you cancel cancel culture? You shut up. Or you, you shut have your to mouth. Cancel canceling cancel culture. But then what if you get canceled? Well, according to this, they're saying they are standing up to cancel culture and the quote self righteous scolds. And my favorite part about the whole thing is they're promoting things like again, like non woke content faith-based content second amendment content and specifically trump content <laughs> isn't that the same as faith-based content nah trump seems to be doing like the apprentice over and over again just reruns of yeah. some bootleg apprentice <laughs> and my favorite part about the whole thing is that they specifically emphasize the fact that they are not going to have any partisan direction of where their stuff's going to go oh sure it sounds <laughs> like it <laughs> And that's my favorite part. We have no partisan direction. We're not going to tell the creators of these shows to do anything. We're not like ultra leftist CNN. Those but, communists. But by the way, we're strictly going to have pro-Trump propaganda. Like literally in the foundation of their network. Everything that is conservative and conservatism. But we're not. We're not biased. Fair and balanced. So... <laughs> Also, Parrot's going to offer podcasts. Ooh, maybe we'll have a new home. On, on their sh on their video streaming service. <laughs> oh. First and foremost, how much would you pay a month for this? I would pay upwards of, you'd have to pay me at least $100 per episode to watch anything. <laughs> what do you think they're going to charge? $20 a month? Ew. No, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's really content you can't get anywhere else, man. Whatever fox plus is plus a dollar just just a raise a middle finger to them yeah <laughs> i just i think this is just a spectacular again another and we this is we called this oh, sure after yeah. trump lost the election that this is what he was going to end up doing right but again I, I think this is just another fantastic example of how terrible of a businessman trump actually is i thought he would just buy oan or newsmax that would be the better strategy <laughs> why wouldn't he just do that he they have the infrastructure they have the fan base right they already just do whatever he wants anyway and literally just say oan the trump endorsed network that's all you had to do my god jason we could be billionaires <laughs> Well, is this well, is this how hard the gun on is this how hard it, it is to be a billionaire <laughs> no foreshadowing or anything i'm losing my mind here oh my god well he's so he, dumb if he had that much business sense trump would actually be a billionaire too instead of just constantly saying he is i want to know the people who are investing in this thing because he's been getting like i think at least um, like, it's gonna be the people that are gonna want political favors from trump if slash when he runs again. But like there are other things where you actually have investors putting on their 
reports for their investments saying as part of like you have to put your potential risks in your investments on your reports and they're actually talking about they have to display risks related to former president donald j trump as part of their risk and saying yeah I, we he get may, it too he's crazy man he may get banned by <laughs> whatever regulatory commission <laughs> overseas whatever format that we're going to be on i this is insane man oh well you're so interested in being a billionaire joe i am why don't we do an examination of america's billionaires and why legally speaking i can't say that people should eat them that at least maybe it would be better for humanity as a whole if they were to be eaten (laughs) perfect let's go to it that was really a productive segment wasn't it it's hard to get any word in with this clown should billionaires exist? That is the question we're dealing with today. And I think after hearing about Trump, the answer is no. I did, to be <laughs> fair, I titled it Why Billionaires Shouldn't Exist. That's also true. So, I mean, if you're wondering what our position is, <laughs> that might tip you off. You wanted to talk about Elon Musk a little bit before we begin. I did. And you know what? It didn't even dawn on me about how like stupid Trump was with that whole... But he's not. To be fair, I really, really don't think think he's a billionaire i think he is counted in the numbers we're going to talk about because most of them come from forbes because they're the ones that track all this stuff and he has threatened to sue forbes over them not including him as a billionaire because as far as anyone can tell he is not sure but whatever so uh but he is terrible i i agree with that but i think your next best example why billionaires are not great people is elon musk now if you really been living under a rock you mean tony stark from south africa i mean basically right is the musketeers will uh <laughs> fight you over. Uh, what's worse elon musk or his fan base elon musk so i feel like it's the same it was like the same question with like jordan peterson like what's worse jordan peterson or his fan base it's still i mean it's the source yeah you gotta get the cancer at the root that's a good point point. and in this case i mean not only is elon musk a terrible influence on society he's also a billionaire so he we he gets extra special treatment as being a complete and utter horrible person. So we didn't talk about this last week, but there was a lot of news a couple of weeks ago about how Elon Musk was very, very close to buying Twitter. I had uh, removed Twitter from my phone <laughs> after that news came out. And basically was going to do a very large payment to buy the majority shares of Twitter, said that he was going to make it a free speech haven and talked about how he was going to have what, like he was going to do something like with the OBS ranking system or something he was talking about where people could rank. He was going to turn into like a free market, free speech paradise or something like that. So other than threatening violence and hate on other people, what can't you say on Twitter? That's what I would like to know. You can't like dox people? Now, that cell did not go through as of yet. There's still talk about what's going on, but I mean, as of right now, it looks like Elon was, again, just doing Elon things and talking out of his ass for most of it, which is kind of what he's also been doing this week he's also kind of found himself in hot water where he recently just told tesla workers to return to the office full-time and for workers who did not return full-time he said quote you can pretend to work somewhere else it said what uh, if you don't show up we would consider that you resigned your position yep as someone who continues to work at home since the pandemic uh screw elon musk well and i'm thinking like, i'm sorry whatever happened to this whole idea of pushing company boundaries 
surgeries forward, right? The idea that not that they're like progressive as like a cultural company, but they're progressive as in like they are pushing what a company could be at its best point. Working remotely is one of the better things that has happened because of the pandemic. Yeah. There, now, there's there's plenty of downsides. Like, don't get me wrong. We could talk about like worker apathy and actually burnouts actually much worse now. But the idea people being but, forced to work longer hours. Right. Yeah. But the idea itself where we I mean, and a lot of that's because we just were never used to working at home like this before, though. If we were able to actually ring that in, working from home is a great, fantastic option for millions of people. Nope. You have to work in their office full time. Well, because you paid a lot of money for that building or Jim. get the hell out. But according to NBC News, that doesn't even matter because based on a, quote, super bad feeling, Elon Musk announced that he wants to cut 10% of all Tesla staff. He has a bad feeling a about su- this. No, he has, he has a super bad feeling. For those of you who don't know, but this Tesla employs about 100,000 people. That means he'd be eliminating around 10,000 positions from his company. And he's going to do it on a whim. What does he care? He's only the richest man in the world, Joe. So now, yes, I understand that Elon Musk may also be a little bit of a weird billionaire to talk about. But let's be real here. He's weird because people know who he is. He's weird because this is all done in public. Billionaires and really extremely wealthy individuals pull this stuff all the time and always get away with it. And they're allowed to get away with it because we live in a system that allows people to exploit other people and basically become and maintain their wealth for generations on end while people suffer in the United States. So what we want to talk about today, specifically Jason wanted to talk about, what are billionaires doing right now? What's our system like? What are they doing to maintain their wealth? And what should we be doing besides actually letting these people have their billions of dollars? So first off, let's talk about numbers. I like numbers. How many billionaires are there currently in the U.S.? And this talk is going to be centered around the U.S. It's where we have the most data for. Obviously, there's billionaires all over the world. Correct. The United States has the most, followed pretty closely by China. But there are 724 billionaires as of 2021 in the United States. That is up from 615 in 2020. That's a huge jump. That is that is a the huge jump. Largest increase in history in a single year to go from 615 to 724 an increase of 109 billionaires at a time where most of our income actually went down. Yep. And we'll talk about that. But now your other stat that you have here is what kills me. So in 1990, so just 32 years ago, there were only 66 billionaires. 66 and now there are 724 or actually over 724 because i'm sure there's at least one more in the past six months so their numbers are increasing dramatically and it just so happens that income equality is also at all-time highs and consistently growing right the average income is not raising no the income at the very top is exploding so of those 724 how much wealth do they have $4.4 trillion, which is an increase of $1.5 trillion in a single year. From 2020 to 2021, their wealth increased $1.5 trillion. My God. So what could that wealth do? 
just for the U.S. Feed all the homeless. Did I get that one? The, both homeless and feeding are in there. It's not just the homeless that are hungry, though. So according to the Department of Education, free college tuition for every American would cost about $79 billion a year. According to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, it would cost $20 billion to end homelessness in the United States. And in 2016, Joel Berg, the CEO of Hunger Free America, estimated the cost of ending hunger in America to be $25 billion. So that means with just the wealth gained by America's billionaires in a single year, so just the amount of money they made in one year, not taking any of the money that they had originally, just taking their gains from a single year, that wealth could end homelessness and feed the hungry and provide college education for all Americans for 14 years. That's insane. (laughs) So if you're not sharpening the guillotine yet and you're saying, well, those billionaires, they worked hard for their money. They pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They did it entirely on their own. They don't owe us anything. Why should they give money to the government, to the rest of us? They should be allowed to keep all that money. I myself may become a billionaire someday. Well, and that's what you usually hear, right? So you usually hear Jeff Bezos talk about how he started Amazon in his garage. You heard about how Elon Musk was a nerdy little kid who was just getting picked on because he because he, he looks like Elon Musk. Because he looks I mean, like Elon Musk. Fair. <laughs> And it's like pre-hair plug Elon Musk. I'd pick on that kid. <laughs> so, but I mean, this is a thing that we usually hear a lot of the time. And we'll usually say, why are you villainizing all these people when they actually are just doing all the right things? They're the job creators, right? Well, that too. So let's examine the myth of the self-made billionaire. He gave a couple examples. Let's specifically, we'll look at three, starting with Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in America. Not so humble beginnings, though. He was the son of a U.S. representative from Nebraska who just happened to own an investment company. This same thing that made Warren Buffett billions and billions of dollars. <laughs> Coincidence, huh? Well, let's look at Elon Musk. You brought him up. Uh, humble beginnings, mm, sort of. His father was very wealthy, owned an engineering business, and Elon grew up in one of the largest houses in his hometown of Pretoria, South Africa, apartheid. South Africa, though his parents did divorce when he was eight, and he did live with his mom. His dad apparently was just as big of a pain as Elon was. <laughs> Read the article uh, from Elon's ex-wife, who's also the mother of his children, not Grimes, the, the his original wife. He, he is a terrible man. Apparently his father was just as bad. So you usually hear, like, the Emerald Mine, which it's hard to substantiate that. I, I, I tried to look it comes from one account and we don't really know and even if so that was probably after elon was not living there anyway okay but it's not like he was completely cut off from his father his father did provide between 20 and 28 thousand dollars the amount is disputed his biography that came out elon's biography said it was twenty eight thousand. elon said that was ridiculous he only gave him twenty thousand i i don't think there's that that much of a difference there but he got a substantial amount of money certainly more than my parents would have been able to afford to give me in funding uh when he founded zip 2 which was the first business that he started with his brother kimball and they also had a third partner greg cowrie who also provided 
$106,000 in funding. Not really that self-made. You've got other people there. Uh, it was an online city guide company, which was sold to Compaq with a Q, Compaq Computers, in 1999 for $305 million. So that is kind of where that empire started. He, shortly after that, started X.com, which was a payment service, and eventually got turned into PayPal. And he was actually ousted from the CEO position and uh, replaced by Peter Thiel, hmm, interesting. also a douchebag investor. And then that once PayPal sold, that's when he was a billionaire. And then he bought Tesla. Never invented anything in his life. Was never the sole founder of any company. You tell me he didn't invent electric cars? He did not invent the electric car. He did not. I'm pretty in- sure he invented electric cars, Jason. <laughs> he did not invent Tesla. He took that company over and replaced the founders with himself. Once he was already incredibly rich, having all of the help that we talked about and also being at the perfect time during the dot-com expansion where any website that could potentially be useful at any kind of way, real or not, made you a billionaire. Look at Mark Cuban, look at uh, uh, Snyder from the Washington Commanders. There are so many billionaires that were made around that time when it's all smoke. Like that that bubble burst and there was nothing there because there was really no way to make money off of any of it. Never happened in any other time in human history. Nope. Except for the late 90s. If you weren't a computer nerd at that time you you can't replicate that right so it's impossible to be the next elon musk because we're never going to go through that dot-com expansion again well not even argue like the the next thing that even boomed like that would probably be like the app stuff right where you had things like facebook twitter paypal is another good one where they actually did extremely well as new apps came out after the smartphones became more popularized but even then that's not even close to what the dot-com boom was though right that was you know you could get if you got a job in any of those companies they were giving people cars as right. signing bonuses there was just money everywhere but if that's not enough and you would say but yeah he turned that into being the richest man in the world completely by himself we well, should do like a whole like episode on elon musk by the way <laughs> I, like just knowing what all this was just insane well according to an la times report in 2015 musk's companies at that time which he still owns now tesla solar city and spacex have received over $4.9 billion in government subsidies. Free market? And you will still, to this day, see Elon spouting all sorts of libertarian rants. Well, it's anti-government crap. Online about, yeah, the government intruding into corporate business and how they need to keep their hands off while he's glad to take billions of dollars. Well, and that's what drives me so insane about SpaceX in specific, because SpaceX wouldn't even exist without the massive amounts of government subsidies and tax credits they were given. Because NASA was defunded. Yes, And all of that money given to private companies, mostly SpaceX. Oh, my God. So the money that we used to put in a public company that would benefit everyone and would not patent. And that's the other thing, like patent protection. We'll get into that, like what the what the U.S. does for these people. But it's it is ridiculous. He is not self-made in any way, shape or form. Wildly beneficial, both the government and his own upbringing. And again, the circumstances and conditions of 
of the time he was born and the place that he was born. So you're telling me he's not the tech genius that I keep hearing that he is. <laughs> he's not Tony Stark. Okay. So let's move on to Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos used to work at uh, McDonald's when he was yeah. growing up. He was a working class as they come, he right? He flipped burgers, man. Hold himself by his own bootstraps up into the financial and literal stratosphere. Well, in reality, he was adopted at age four by a Cuban immigrant who worked as an engineer for Exxon, and his maternal grandfather, his mom's dad, was an engineer for DARPA, hmm. the agency who created the internet. And Jeff and his brother Mark spent their summer vacations at his 25,000-acre South, South Texas ranch. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't your grandparents own a $25,000 or 25? Don't your grandparents own a 25,000 acre ranch? Yeah, you you said it right. It was probably the $25,000. <laughs> they own a, it's, you know, those uh, Cialis commercials with You're the right. bathtub in the backyard. That's, yeah, that's my grandparents' ranch too. And just to show you the type of wealth that his family had, his parents invested over $245,000 in Amazon's founder in 1994 that would be equivalent to about five hundred thousand dollars today that's not that much yeah everybody's parent that normal working class person that works at mcdonald's all of their parents could give them a half a million dollars to start a business i mean that's like two years of birthday gifts (laughs) you know it's like nothing crazy and again, in 1994, he's starting a business. It's an online bookstore. Yep. Exploded into Amazon. Would not have happened at any other time in history. And also is killed countless businesses through its existence. So we didn't even talk about the Walton family with all this as well. And they're one of the richest families throughout America's history. I salute that experimental aircraft that killed at least one of them. <laughs> oh, God. Good job, buddy. Jesus. Really putting in the work for the rest of us. <laughs> so maybe they didn't do it all by themselves, but they still made that money. They still built those companies. They still employ people, even if they're going to fire 10% of them. On a whim. What did the government ever do for them? Why should they give their money to some dumb bureaucrats in Washington who are just going to waste it that have never done a single thing for them? Well, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Jason. I would actually argue that we shouldn't tax billionaires because they would get something out of it or as like a thank you from the government. I don't think they're going to get anything from the government out of this. I wish they wouldn't. But I care way more about the 99% of people that actually need that money. That's what I'd argue for. So things like, obviously, you have the general things like infrastructure, roads, power. I mean, big things with broadband expansion right now is huge. But I mean, we also have crumbling education systems throughout this country that we need actually better resources to boost those services. The government is going to be paying a trillion dollars over the next 10 years just on infrastructure, right? That bill just passed and was just signed into law late last year and a lot of us, including this program, have criticized it for being targeted mostly towards corporations who are yeah. the ones that always benefit the most from this kind of spending. Well, exactly. And if we want to do things like have universal pre-K, that's a great one, right? Or even do something where we have actually better paid maternal leave. That takes money. If you want better child tax credits, that's another great example that we talked about in previous episodes. Just ask Joe Manchin. <laughs> I wouldn't even begin to argue that billionaires should actually be able to have their money because it's their right to do so. 
Because at a certain point... Well, they use that same workforce, right? That is reliant on public education. Right. But even with that, I, I truly do believe that, yes, we live in a capitalistic society. I am still a capitalist at the end. I am not a socialist. And I do believe that you are entitled to the money that you earn. And you can also negotiate your own wages and you can earn your own money by being an entrepreneur. That's all fantastic. Private ownership of business. That's fine. I have absolutely no problem with that. The problem is when you consolidate to the point that we are at right now, you're seeing dramatic outcomes. They are killing people by the thousands in this country. And that's where we have some big issues with. We will significantly better as a society if we just take away a small, I mean like a small fraction in taxes from these wealthy billionaires. Because I... I don't know about you, Jason, but I think there is a real problem in this country about understanding what a billion actually is. There's been plenty of potential visual examples of it. I don't know if you ever saw the one with the rice. The, is ri- my the rice is a yeah. really good one where they it was each like, grain of rice is a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And, and like even then, mound. yeah, the billion dollars is like the giant bag of rice that you have to get from the Asian store. Right. Well, then there were other things where it's like if you made like 50,000 or $75,000 a year, you'd work it was like 400, 500 years or something like that to make a billion dollars you you need to understand that a billion dollars is way more than what someone could possibly spend on in a reasonable amount to even justify having that much money I, i'm sorry there, yeah. there's just no moral logical or ethical way or even economic way that saying billionaires should exist is a sustainable plan yeah so i want to answer the question why wouldn't billionaires just leave the country why wouldn't they just take their businesses and go somewhere else if they were taxed at a reasonable rate, like we're talking about. Well, as we briefly mentioned a little bit ago, we have very strict, very strict copyright and trademark protections in this country, as opposed to, say, China, who does not have the same restrictions, which is why you can go on (laughs) Amazon.com and buy all sorts of bootleg Chinese products that violate tons of American copyright laws that Jeff Bezos will gladly sell you and profit off of. Would Jeff Bezos move all of his warehouses to China if we raised his taxes? I don't think so. not at all. And that would be because the U.S. market is the most sought after in the world due to our high average income. And also to be in the U.S. stock market, our stock market is the most stable and allows for steady growth of companies that are listed on it. They would not just leave the country. That is a lie perpetrated by conservative groups to scare you. Well, and I think, so when I was watching an interview with um, Anand Garadaras, I think it is his name is, it's, it's a tight. <laughs> I and I apologize if I'm botching this, but Garadaras, Garad, Garad Haradas, forgive me, Anand, you know, because we're on first name terms. Well, you'd have to be. <laughs> he talked about why billionaires shouldn't exist as well. And he was asked the exact same question well, why wouldn't they just leave the country? And he basically looked the interview right in the eye and said, I'm not a big gambler, but if I was to gamble, I would have no problems taking that bet against a billionaire that they would actually leave the country. The vast majority of their fortune will always come from. From the United States, even if they're taxed higher. And it's for all the reasons, like you said, Jason. I can add more. I, literally, we can add more. <laughs> the U.S. federal government is the largest
largest purchaser of goods and services in the world. Yes. In 2020 alone, they spent nearly $600 billion on goods and services. Probably a lot of that at Trump properties, <laughs> unfortunately. And also, U.S. trade policy and agreements allow companies to import and export goods at lower prices, making more profit that they get because they're based in the United States. The government provides that for them, which is why you pay taxes yep. to the U.S. government. Taxes. <laughs> Let's talk about taxes. Let's do it. That, that was a good segue, by the way. I'm going to compliment you. you on that segue. So the median American household earns about $70,000 annually and pays 14% in federal taxes. So we're not going to talk about state. Every state's different. Some states have no taxes. They are huge tax havens for the rich, unfortunately, which is why they're mostly conservative states. But 14% of $70,000, $9,800. Average U.S. household is paying $9,800 in just federal taxes a year. The highest income tax rate is currently 37%, and that is for couples on earnings above $628,300. If you do the math on that, that means someone who has an income of a billion dollars, or a couple that has an income of a billion dollars, and I'm giving them a 0% tax rate on everything up to that $628,300, right. which is not the reality either, but just for this argument. For simplicity, sake. We'll, we'll give them zero up to that, and we'll only tax the 37% above that, they should be paying $369 million in federal income tax. I also want to throw in a reminder that the corporate income tax was, was just cut. I was just going to say this. Too. From 35% to 21% yep. by Donald Trump in 2017. And Joe Biden made a proposal to raise it back up to only 28%. So not even what, what it was at. previously. And that failed because not one single Republican senator and also Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema opposed it. Which is insane. So all all those Tucker Carlson-esque, I'm just a working class guy, <laughs> Republicans are all full of it because they would not even slightly reduce the ridiculous tax cut that Trump gave to corporations. Well, imports have come out that like those tax cuts have been unique in how catastrophic they've been. Revenue reduced from, I think it was 9.9% to 6% in a year Yeah, because of that. it's It was terrible. It's only good for big businesses, which is what the only thing the GOP is good for, and increase the tax burden on the rest of us, like all of their policies always do. But yet, the people that are hurt the most by it are also the most fanatic supporters. I don't understand. Understand. Yep. But let's talk about what the reality of the situation is for individuals. The very elites among us, the billionaire class, which we all aspire to be, all, <laughs> all want that mar monocle and that top hat. It's right around the corner, man. <laughs> Any day now. So, and we missed this. This was in June of last year. I looked through our show notes to see if we talked about this at all. If you look at this, you will probably go out into the streets in a murderous rage. I mean, if you're anything like me, that's kind of where I had to take my blood pressure medication right before we recorded this just to, you know, make sure <laughs> I didn't stroke out during this, this recording. But in June of last year, there were a huge amount of IRS information that was leaked to ProPublica after they had criticized the IRS 
for not doing enough to hold uh, people who are not paying their fair share of taxes accountable. These were covering at least the last 15 years and mostly focused on the upper thousands of income brackets. So all your billionaires, basically. It showed Jeff Bezos worth $150 billion, man who paid $500 million for a yacht that has its own support yacht with a helipad, paid nothing in federal income tax for 2007 and 2011. Not a cent. Elon Musk, the richest person in the world, paid no federal tax in 2018. Michael Bloomberg, former Democratic candidate for president. Carl Icahn, former Trump administration official, also did not pay federal income tax two of those years. George Soros, every liberal's favorite billionaire, did not pay income tax three years in a row in that time. And also, George Soros, by the way, pays the less amount, the least amount of tax of any billionaire in America. Uh, Jason, I'm looking through this. I'm not, I'm not not happy so from 2014 to 2018 i'm seeing these charts i'm getting real <laughs> angry chart, we're talking about that chart in a minute getting real angry right now from 2014 to 2018 the 25 richest americans gained 401 billion dollars in wealth mm-hmm. and only paid 13.6 billion in taxes which works out to a 3.4 percent tax rate remember what we talked about before seventy thousand dollars you're paying ten thousand dollars in tax 14% or if you would make 10 billion dollars you might be able to get away with only paying around 3% somehow it's like Costco but for taxes you know like if you, <laughs> they if buy you, in bulk if you tax in bulk they get money you, you in get bulk. a better rate right <laughs> so during that same time period from 2014 to 2018 the average middle class American gained $65,000 in wealth Seems like a lot, right? That's pretty awesome, man. Mostly That's pretty great. Mostly due to the increase in home value. Oh. So sorry to all of you late millennials and Zoomers who I will would, never be able to own a house. I was just going to say thank you for um, putting adding millennials in here because you don't have millennials written. I was about to just lose Because it's not all of them. I mean, I'm almost a millennial. I'm not quite. I'm still Generation X, but I'm on the edge. I was born in 1979, so two more years, and I would be considered a millennial. We- I can tell you right now, my my area is not, or my generation is not paying <laughs> any home, any home mortgage. No property right taxes. Now. No, they are not. So that sixty five thousand dollars, almost exclusively an increase in home value, but they also paid sixty two thousand dollars. So wiping out all of those gains in taxes. <laughs> So you pay almost 100% of your income gain, your wealth gain. In tax. In tax. While as billionaires pay 3.4% of their wealth increase in tax. That sounds fair, doesn't it? So let's look at that fun graph. Mm, I'm going to get angry again. Don't make me angry. And we'll have the link in the show notes. I Okay. Can we just quick aside? If you have any money, because I, I know you don't because I know you're a normal person and you well, you, you're also in my house, so you know I don't. Sorry, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the general oh. listener. Sorry, I'm not talking about you. Oh, well, I, I know most of our listeners, so <laughs> I know they also don't. But really if you have a money. dime, my God, 
donate to ProPublica. They are absolutely one of the best journalistic sources there are. And even like, again, like this is just another, I had no idea, Jason, like that this article existed. And actually, to be honest, I follow ProPublica and I still like rarely, rarely see their stuff. So they just fly under the radar. Their stuff is so good. It's so good. And it makes you really angry because it's really good. <laughs> so donate to ProPublica because they're fantastic. So let's talk about those same three we've been talking about. We'll add Michael Bloomberg here too. Because he's a dick. From 2014 to 2018, Warren Buffett had his wealth increase $24.3 billion. He had a total income reported of somehow only $125 million, <laughs> paid $23.7 million in taxes. Remember what we talked about? For every billion dollars you earn, it should be $369 million in taxes. Somehow he only paid $23.7 million out of $24 billion. A true tax rate, which is the lowest. Oh, this is going to make me so angry. 0.1%. Coming up next, Jeff Bezos. He's always second. Second richest man in the world. Second least amount of taxes paid. He had his wealth increase $99 billion. Reported an income of $4.2 billion. Still somehow only paid $973 million in taxes. A tax rate of 0.98%. Michael Bloomberg. Less than 1%, man. Less than what... <laughs> yeah. Because at, at this time, he was the richest man, I believe. Right. Yeah. It, it, Elon was this year, so... So, I, I do have to do another quick aside. When you hear Bernie Sanders saying that like, you paid more taxes than Amazon, you paid more taxes than Jeff Bezos... He's right. He's 100% correct. 100% correct. By orders of magnitude, you paid more of your income in tax than Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Michael Bloomberg... Thought he should be president. He had his wealth increase $22.5 billion. Reported an income of $10 billion. That's that's almost, <laughs> it's like just under 50%. He, again, somehow only paid $292 million in tax. Yet he had an income, reported income of $10 billion. I'd like to know how that works. Yeah, me too. Because even in what we're going to talk about and how they do this, that doesn't make any sense. Paying a true tax rate of 1.3%. And then we have our favorite punch and bag, old Elon Musk, the old apartheid emerald farmer. He had his wealth grow $13.9 billion, reported an income of $1.52 billion, paid a in this group a whopping yeah, right. <laughs> $455 million. He needs to fire his accountants because he is paying a true tax rate of 3.27%. Um, I believe that's more than is. twice as much as the next. I believe it's called he's an honest citizen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called paying his fair share. Yeah, he's right? he's within one order of magnitude of kind of around yeah. what he should be paying, <laughs> unlike everyone else. So there's your top four. That should make you extremely angry. These the oh. richest people are not paying anywhere near what they should be paying. Point one percent. Point one percent tax rates. I <laughs> man, could you imagine what how nice that'd be to only have to pay point one percent of your your income in taxes? It would be quite nice. Oh. 
thousands of dollars that you would have to spend that you would do a hell of a lot more with than Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos can do with their extra $30 billion that they'll never spend in their entire lifetime that you wouldn't be able to spend it if you tried. Yep. And just in case you'd think, well, that's just a layman's understanding of looking at these numbers. They would, they're not really owing this money. Well, according to a story by the U.S. Treasury Department, they estimate that there are $163 billion of uncollected tax revenue from the top 1% of income earners in 2019 alone. $163 billion. For one year. What was for, that, what was that um, total you came out to before? With, for all the cool things we could invest in so free college tuition is 79 billion a year homelessness which that's a one-time fee yep is a 20 billion dollars and feeding the hungry is 25 billion dollars so like, uh, like 130 140 billion so yeah could pay for all of that every year just if they just paid col- just what- collected the taxes from the top one percent correct just collected the taxes from the top one percent and the irs commissioner charles reddig says that the total may be up to $1 trillion a year. Oh, my God. And we can't pay for Joe Biden's Build Back Better bill, which would cost a trillion dollars over 10 years. But yet the richest people are skating on a $1 trillion tax bill every single year. It would make all the difference in the world. Quite literally. So how are they doing this? What are we we seeing here? How are they getting away with this? How are we going to become billionaires overnight? Yes, that too. We go on Shark Tank. So this we find some bootstraps strategy that seems to be the most effective and and what these billionaires are doing is known as buy borrow die and that is a term coined by Edward McCaffrey a University of Southern California law professor and it it's I've never heard of this before it is frustratingly simple and of course out of reach for the rest of us but the basic concept is that the ultra wealthy take small salaries from their companies instead getting the bulk of their income in stock or other assets that do not incur an income tax which elon usually brags about all the time right and says that's why he can't pay taxes because he'd have to sell his stock to pay his taxes so what's he supposed to do right he can buy twitter but and how it's supposed to work in this system is that eventually once they sell those assets whatever they gained in value would fall under the capital gains tax. So when Elon, you know, takes 500 shares of Tesla and then in 10 years it's worth 50 billion dollars, the difference from when he bought it to when he sells it, he's supposed to pay taxes on that. Okay. That's how it's supposed to work. So what happens is they take these stock portfolios, real estate, whatever assets they own to a bank, they invest those assets in that bank. They say, here, you manage these for me. The bank makes a lot of money in fees managing those assets and also it gain it basically increases the bank's portfolio sure makes sense so they want those assets and they will in return give huge loans we're talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars if you remember when trump's taxes came out through the new york times there was a report
report that he had a $500 million loan at Deutsche Bank. I do. That's what we're talking about here, that kind of loan. So these ultra-rich take out those ridiculous loans at incredibly low interest rates, anywhere from a half a percent to 3%. That's it's, nice. It's almost unknown what, like how low they could get these loans because the banks don't care. They want the, the assets that these billionaires have. Right. They will give them almost anything in an interest rate because that money isn't important. It's it's the assets that they want. Right. These loans are not considered taxable income. So you basically get $500 million That's that taxable. you do not report as income. And as long as the return on any investments made with those loans, aka if you bought Twitter, for example, but whatever stock you might purchase, real estate, art, etc., are higher than that interest rate that you're paying, that is more wealth generated with no taxes paid. Because again, you don't pay capital gains tax until you sell the asset. Okay. Well, how do they pay the loans? Answer, they don't. The loans are constantly rolled over, increased, or moved to other banks with better rates. Again, those banks are happy to make those loans because of what they get out of that. Because of the assets that come to their bank, the fees that they're able to collect for managing that off of the profits that they're making. Then, the final portion, which I'm hoping Trump will uh, examine soon, the die part (laughs) of this strategy. When the borrower dies, the loans can just be taken over by their inheritor. Or, even more crazily, that inheritor is able to sell any asset that they wish and completely avoid the capital gains tax because the initial value of the asset resets upon inheritance. So this $50 billion that Elon Musk gained in Tesla stock, yep. if he were to die and give that die to a, and like a kid... <laughs> His kid, that value, the initial value of the asset. And the kid could just sell it off and keep all the money. Right. Resets to $50 billion, not, you know, whatever the value was when Elon got it in the first place. So then he's free to sell it and not pay taxes. So is this the whole argument about around the estate tax then? Partially. I believe the estate tax is still gotten around by these assets that are physical assets and not liquid assets. I'm sure. certainly not no uh no economist or right economist or accountant or anybody that could be relied on as a real source and as far as i'm aware this has really only been a thing since the late 60s when everyone's favorite president richard nixon signed some some different tax codes into law which kind of opened this uh to be a strategy so that's it that's all you need to do folks just instead of tell your the company that you work for look Stop giving me salary. Stop giving me checks from cash every week, every paycheck. Instead, give me stocks and tangible assets because everyone can do that, right? It's not just the executives at the company that have the ability to do that. That's something available to all of us. So you tell your employer to stop paying you in cash and start paying you in assets instead. Then you take that over to your local bank and you say, hey, look, man, I got $3,000 worth of stock here. Why don't you give me a $90,000 loan? (laughs) 
at a 2% interest rate. Yeah, I mean, let's start at one and see where it goes from there. And then you just live off of that. And then you just constantly roll over. The bank will never ask for their money. They'll be content with that. Uh, you know, the fee that they're getting off of your $3,000 asset portfolio. And, uh, you know, then you avoid taxes. And you just use that money to buy more stock and keep it going and buy more assets. Buy a house in Cancun. Buy a spaceship. Go to space. Yeah, if you remember from the Panama Papers, there were all these portfolios uh, of real estate everywhere owned by these ultra rich people right. and no one was living in them. They're all in cities like Miami. Because they're just assets. Yeah, because they, they're just being used to accrue wealth. They don't care. They're not going to live there. It's just like monopoly money. Uh, well, and we, we kind of talked about this as well, where in the Panama Papers, the outside of the country shell game that's been going on, you have the super wealthy who are just constantly moving money around around the countries and especially in a lot more tax haven areas. But also we're just starting to see lots of United States here in the local becoming super like easy tax havens for the wealthy. Correct? Yeah. South Dakota. I South Dakota is a big was, one. Yeah. Mentioned there because the United States is being known worldwide now as one of the biggest tax havens because our laws are so lax and so easy to exploit and it's so easy to make money and not pay taxes by moving your assets here which is insane to me i just oh so you may be asking yourselves, okay, so this bombshell amazing report came out that detailed incontrovertibly that the literal richest people in the country were not paying anywhere near their fair share of taxes. Yeah. Our public servants, the people who work for the American people, we're our prepared. elected officials. Yeah. Entrusted to defend us. Yeah. We're outraged. Livid, Joe. They were yeah. livid. They called for immediate consequences literally this is a quote whoever did this ought to be hunted down and thrown into jail that was from mitch mcconnell joe all right hey we agree i'm loving it except mitch mcconnell wasn't talking about warren buffett and jeff bezos and michael bloomberg and elon musk and who was he talking about he was talking about the people who leaked the irs documents to uh. ProPublica. <laughs> The real culprits, the real criminals here. I hate this. I hate this country. The full quote is, my guess is the IRS. Somebody at the IRS leaked this in order to affect the tax debate and remind people that there are some very wealthy Americans. There are some very wealthy Americans, but it's important to remember we don't tax wealth. I think we all are aware of ah! that now, Mitch. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind. I, I I hate Mitch McConnell. I hate him so much. The, the, the conniving little weasel that he is where he will just constantly say the quiet part out loud and not give a rip about what he does and the damage that he's causing to people pisses me off to no extent. A statement from the Ways and Means Committee Republicans said that the leak of tax information on rich Americans like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and other billionaires erodes trust in the IRS. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and should disqualify President Joe Biden's proposal to boost agency enforcement. To boost enforcement? The IRS should not get more funding and more power to go after tax criminals. Where's the law and order party? <laughs> Be Hello? Am because I, am I, am I in crazy town right now? What is this? 
Yes. Y- yes. Yes. You're in crazy town. It's called Washington, D.C. Oh. And Mitch McConnell, in addition to Senators Chuck Grassley of Where's Iowa, my Coke party at? <laughs> and Mike Crapo. That's <laughs> like very uh, appropriate name. Oh, of that's actually Idaho. his name. <laughs> yeah. Mike Crapo of Idaho. Is it not Crapo? Ah, it's Crapo to me. Okay. <laughs> sent a letter asking the Justice Department and the FBI to investigate the leak and immediately bring charges against those who are responsible. Oh, my God. All of the ire. I looked through, I watched his speech that he gave to Why did you do the that? Senate around that time about this. I read articles that he did on Fox News. I watched, like, they've got to at some point address the fact that it's ridiculous that these people are paying nothing in taxes, right? Not a word, I bet. Not even an acknowledgement that that was the focus of the article. Not even. It's literally the these courageous private citizens had their private information stolen and made public and the people responsible should be held it's a travesty it's and they again they use that as the reason why the irs should not get more funding while the irs is saying yes there are hundreds of billions of dollars if not trillions of dollars that we should be collecting but we don't have the resources to manage any of it to look at any of it we need more funding and mitch mcconnell and the republicans used a leak of irs documents showing that that's true that the irs should be collecting hundreds of millions or hundreds of billions if not trillions of dollars from the wealthiest americans who are not paying their fair share as proof that they should not get more funding to go after the richest americans and in fact they shouldn't even have those that information to begin with we should probably not be collecting so much information from our glorious billionaire overlords. We should just leave them alone. It was like the the leave Britney alone thing, but picture Mitch McConnell and billionaires. Yeah, it was like that. It was sickening, infuriating, gross, ridiculous, a sign of the fall of our empire, a sign we need to get out the guillotines and sharpen them and eat the rich. You think we're done making you angry and upset? Not quite. Why don't you tell us about the last couple of years during this pandemic? Yeah, so this kind of actually goes off a Vox article that I found while looking up for this episode. And you may have heard that while Americans struggled, rich people were actually doing okay. There's actually a lot of coverage and a lot of data to support the idea that people who are at least even, not even billionaire stats, but even just like, we'll say more wealthy Americans really didn't feel the effects of COVID that the vast majority of Americans did. And while we were all struggling, I think while it was like 99% of people in the United States received a pay cut, at least of some sort, the 10 richest billionaires doubled their wealth in 2020 during the pandemic. And then while people were dying by the hundreds of thousands, stocks soared throughout the country. And I don't know about you, Jason, but that seems really weird to me. Don't you think? You would think that would not be the case as we were mostly not spending money, staying home. And that's the crazy thing about it. The stock market bottomed out in March when the new um, shutdowns were beginning. Coronavirus was hitting the hardest for countries and we didn't know what to do and everything tanked. And this was like the biggest recession we've ever seen. Literally horrible depression. Literally within a year, right after, according to this 
Fox article, right after 500,000 U.S. COVID deaths, the stock market was reaching record highs. And a lot of it's because, like you talked about, Jason, one of the biggest customers of many companies is the U.S. government. And we were pouring tons of money into subsidies so that we could keep our market going. Now, I remember the federal government lost like a ridiculous amount of money in just one day. Right. Like literally throwing it at the stock market to keep it stable. And you also may have heard things like PPP loans, small business loans, and all that fun stuff. I think we talked about that as well while that was going on. This is also during the end of the Trump administration, so you still had that kind of going while the... Wait, wait, wait. I thought inflation was Joe Biden's fault. What? <laughs> it's always the Democrats' fault, man. Just get with the script, all right? Always a Democrats' fault. So you, we still had the U.S. Treasurer, Steve Mnuchin, who I think we, even we talked about him, where they were treating these small business loans as just slosh funds and they're just giving out tons and tons of millions of dollars to these very large companies who were literally doing nothing with them other than enriching their own boards investing in stock buybacks and actually really screwing everybody over when they should have been going to smaller businesses and that kept happening it continued to keep happening and then even after joe Biden took office and we had a new secretary of treasury we still had a lots of things in the stock market where they were booming because they were buying back a lot of their own assets and still feeding from the government frenzy of just spending, spending, spending to try to get something going because we had to stimulate the economy somehow. And I guess you could say it worked, but it came at a super cost of while many millions of Americans were suffering in 2020 and 2021, large corporations and the people who own those large corporations went insane and reached record profits that we have not seen before. And unfortunately, this is not uncommon knowledge, the COVID-19 pandemic exceptionally exasperated income inequality in this country. We already had all these issues like Jason was talking about. That was up until 2018. That's where those figures were coming from. They became so much worse during and after the pandemic. And we cannot forget that even as today, while we're still recovering from that gigantic recession, you're going to hear Republicans and millionaires and billionaires talk about how it's over. We're fine. We don't need to deal with it anymore. It's because they never experienced it the same way you and I did. And we need to remember that. And we're going to close it out i don't have time to quite go over this article but we'll link it in the show notes it's from the new york times and it is about the political influence that billionaires have and how they influence politics from behind the scenes and they try to stay out of the public spotlight they don't really talk about their views outside of a few like you think of warren buffett as being kind of an outspoken billionaire everybody thinks he's like oh he's so liberal (laughs) but he never actually advocates or spends money on despite what fox news uh and every anti-semite would have you believe he is not in fact funding every single leftist political agenda and in fact never spends money supporting any progressive tax policy despite saying that rich people don't pay enough in taxes does not actually do anything and in fact spends his money on the exact opposite this was a study done out of northwestern university it turned into a book entitled billionaires and stealth politics uh, which i think we have to read for sure yeah because it examines the rich 
richest person in Wisconsin, John Menard Jr., as well as Warren Buffett, Carl Icahn, and David Koch, to get a wide range of political philosophies and talks about how they spend their money politically and how they influence politics. It's It sounds amazing. I highly recommend you guys checking it out. It basically shows why the average person has no influence over the political direction of the country and why it's almost exclusively this billionaire class that gets what they want and what they want is to not pay taxes everything else they don't really care about that's mostly window dressing it's a selfish game for them that's all it is and it's 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 all financial conservatism even the most liberal of the billionaires are still financially conservative because they do not want to lose their wealth and influence that because that gives them obviously an extremely outsized influence over politics that was codified into law by the supreme court in the citizens united ruling it's a disgrace i don't know what to tell you other than storm the bastille you know uh, (laughs) history judges the french revolution as a positive and and the people that were involved as heroes that's all i'll say (laughs) thank you for listening we hope to see you in the next episode you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. Preston Phillips, who had been treated by the gunman. No, nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that nope. would be a turn of uh, events. All right. Literally, in like in contra- Ugh, I could say that word. We bobbed into, or we bought off. We Fun. can probably skip the Marjorie Taylor Green one. Peach tree dishes. God damn it, she's dumb. <laughs>